Well, good afternoon and thank you once again for joining me for Business, the Law and You. Julian Campbell here and we've got another interesting show lined up for you this week. A bit later in the program, we'll have a look at one of our Harvard Business Review tips. This particular one is how to fake the confidence you need. We're also going to be having our chat with Christine and we're going to be talking about innovating objects. But right now it's time for our monthly chat with Tony Vidray, Chartered Accountant. Uh, Good afternoon, Tony. The man who's been faking uh, uh, confidence for the past thirty-seven years, I believe. What a great, what a great Harvard business tip. I thought, I, th- I thought you'd jot that one. That's why I put it in. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think there's a lot to be said about that. There's Isn't a lot of people who do that. You and I would never do fake that. Fake it till you make it. That's it. That's now, it. A lot of people do it. Now, the first one I want to talk about is very exciting for me. The ATO yeah. has granted a one-year exemption to single-touch payroll for certain people. Yes, I thought you'd need to uh, curb your enthusiasm on this one. So, um, yeah, look, single-touch payroll is coming in for all of those um, employers that have 19 or, or fewer um, staff members. And one of the pro- and that comes in on the 1st of July, but one of the, the headaches with the whole thing was the micro-business side of things, uh, as they call the more closely-held um, payees. So there was always this headache around the mum-and-dad businesses, the ones that just had one, maybe two employees, um, just the directors, uh, maybe a family member, which is what they call co- closely held pays. What they're going to do is defer the single touch payroll regime for those people for another 12 months to come in on the 1st of July um, 2020. So you won't have to report your um, your payroll. They do acknowledge that these sort of family businesses have a very... Um, it's not a stable income, you know. There's, mm. you know, people move, pull money out. It's like drawings when the cash is available in their business, or you know, they might use loan accounts and things like that. So it's not an exact science of paying a regular amount um, every single week or you know fortnight. So they are, they are recognising that. And a question that I asked a while ago, over a year ago now, and they, the ATO really didn't have an answer, which was. Well, you know, if you are going to do that and take drawings or, you know, loan accounts and whatever, uh, you know, how are you... At the moment, we're reporting that in the BAS, but the BAS is after the quarter has ended. So single-touch payroll wanted to be, you know, reported in real time. Well, they've finally answered it, and they've said the ATL will move towards quarterly reporting obligations and look to align its single-touch payroll approach with those lodgements. So it's... I'm reading between the lines there to say that, yeah, you might be able to... Do it quarterly. Um, yeah, that's it. Lodge your BAS and report the pay, the, yeah. the, the pays at that time, which would make a lot of sense for a lot of small businesses. And I think that's, that's a really good outcome for, for um, micro-businesses and yeah. also for those closely held payers. I think that's... Uh, I kind of... <clears throat> I, I really did, yeah. That was a huge sigh of relief when I read that. I think that was a really good outcome. Which is what I do at my bass anyway. I report my uh, wages on the bass. That's right, exactly. Yeah. And, that, yeah. and that's it. And you don't know from, you know, and a lot of businesses don't know from... Week to week. There's 13, 13 weeks. You're not going to... A lot of them don't take out the regular amount every no. single week. And it no. depends on when you get paid. And then, you, then you, you know, all of a sudden you might have a big job. It comes in, you get paid one big that's lump true. sum, and you go, well, I'll pay myself three or four weeks, you know, in one hit sort of thing. Yeah. That's... That sort of sporadic sort of payments is, is quite commonplace. So it's a good, yeah. good, good outcome for those businesses. And I believe we're uh, turning to the Bible to defend ourselves as taxpayers. Tax, this, tax. Is fan- this is fantastic. You don't see ca- court cases like this um, very often. So this particular taxpayer, he used the biblical um, references in his, his defence. He didn't want to pay a $4.3 million 
um, tax debt. So uh, he was hit with all sorts of primary taxes, Medicare levy, administration, administrative penalties um, from 2002 all the way through to 2013. So he had a good 19 yeah. years that he um, that he had to defend. And, and one of the things that I get used to in reading these tax cases um, is, especially at the AAT level, if you see someone who is self-represented, they represent themselves, they have a snowflake's chance in hell of... <laughs> Of with a cinder in snow type scenario, you yeah. are never going to get up. So it's it's always funny the um, some of these cases that people try and self represent. So they yeah they refer to um, biblical ref- references where they they essentially try to argue that the income tax legislation of the Commonwealth of Australia was ineffective because it did not refer to or define a man or a woman, and hence the Parliament didn't pass the statutes that apply to a man or a woman. And so it, apparently that's a biblical reference and. It was struck down pretty quickly. What he also did was he he also referred to a 1796 decision in the Supreme Court of North Carolina because you do that quite wow. often uh, to try and support the argument that the um, that he wasn't bound by any law or institutions except for those to which he gives his express consent. And because he didn't give his express consent to be taxed, <laughs> he didn't think that he needed to be. Um, he didn't think that the laws applied to him. So sadly, he found out that he did owe the $4.3 million and uh, yeah, it was quite uh, quite an amusing one to, uh, to have a read of. So plus don't a, self-represent in these cases, Julian. Plus a nice court case cost as well, I would think, too. Oh, of course it would. It would have cost him a fortune, so, yeah. So what about yeah. removing tax deductibility of non-compliant payments? Yeah, look, this is another important one, too. That This is coming in on the 1st of July. It's one of the many measures that the government is doing to um, combat the, uh, the black economy. So we'll, we'll take two cases. One is um, uh, actually your case. We'll get to the end of the year and your accountant says to you, oh, look, you haven't paid yourself any wages at all during the year. I'll just put a journal entry through now um, as a, dir- a director fee for $40,000 and we'll backdate that to the 30th of June 18 and the company can claim it as a tax deduction. You need to declare it um, as income and, um, and that's what they did. Those days are coming to an end. So... What they're essentially saying is that if the company had an obligation to withhold tax at source, which on 40 grand, I hate to tell you, yes. yeah, yeah, you did, uh, the company did, then what will happen is in that scenario is they will disallow the, the deduction at the company level, mm. but lo and behold, it'll still be accessible in your hands as income. Okay. All right? So it, it's a really really tough measure um, that they're introducing. Where this is, that's one kind of extreme example, but where it's really going to kick in um, for contractors. So you've got a lot of people who pay contractors, maybe by cash, um, maybe by, you know, again, EFT and whatever. And let's say that contractor does not have an ABN. They essentially give you an invoice on a piece of paper and they <coughs> the, the business pays these people. The law is quite specific in that if someone gives you an invoice and it does not have a valid ABN on that invoice, you are required to withhold tax at 47%. Mm. So what will happen is because you had an obligation to withhold tax, you're not going to get a tax deduction for the payment to that contractor. Mm. All right? So they're really, really tightening up on, on these sort of things. Now, um, the, I'm just at my desk now. I'm going to call up the, the website for you that I have on one of my shortcuts. If you ever want to know um, whether um, someone that you're dealing with, whether how, you know what their registration idea. is, yeah, go to um, it's abr.business.gov.au, yeah. ABR, the Australian Business Register, abr. 
www.business.gov.au. You can pop, pop their details in there and it'll tell you whether the person has an ABN. Mm-hmm. If you have the ABN, it'll tell you whether they're registered for GST. It's a good way, and, and it's a nice one too, if someone is charging you GST, but you go on this website and you find out that they're not registered for GST, well, they're not supposed to be charging, um, charging GST. So this yeah. website will be used a lot more in the future. Um, if you pay someone and they haven't got a valid ABN, you're going to find yourself um, with those with those amounts um, disallowed. And you can get an app for your iPhone or your iPad as well, which I use. Yeah, that's it. They're all yeah, that's it. It's, everything's mobile these days. I'm a bit of a I'm a bit um, old school. I sit in front of a PC and <laughs> with a mouse. <laughs> uh, you have to be, if you're a mobile business, you you can't do that anymore. No, exactly. But so, yeah, you're quite right. All of those things are, are definitely um, yeah, definitely on the go. I my my um, my eyesight's failing, so I like to read a piece of paper, not a uh, not, <laughs> not an actual website. <laughs> so you and I had fun watching the budget the other night. Just let it settle down for a month, and we'll have a chat about it next month, eh? Yeah, let me let me go and read the papers, and I'll I'll, I'll pick out the uh, the highlights for next month. Thank you. We'll have a great have a great month, and we'll talk to you then. Thanks, Julian. Bye. Tony Vidray there with uh, so that's an interesting point, isn't it? Uh, some exemption for that single touch payroll, which certainly uh, mums and dad businesses like mine, um, it's good news. I think time to have a chat with Christina. Good afternoon, Christina. Good afternoon, Julian. How are you this week? I'm very well, thank you. I don't know about a cowboy's work's never done. I don't think anyone's <laughs> work. Oh, I, don't, I don't think anyone's work's ever done anymore, is it? I don't think so. But now, innovation obviously helps us to get our work done, so we're going to talk about some innovating objects. Yes, we are. So, you know, sometimes it's actually having an idea about an object that is a common-day, everyday object that nobody has thought about improving or changing over a period of time. So in my reading this week and some of the wonderful things that that managed to happen across my desktop, I was reading about the black line rolling pin. So, you know, the rolling pins are a fairly standard thing. You can pick it up at a $2 shop or, or, you know, wherever you're kind of wanting to walk into a kitchen shop. Um, But the black line rolling pin, and I've got to tell you, the black line rolling pin sells for $230. However, yeah, it's a very expensive rolling pin, but... What it is, that they're, they're pitching it as a minimalist rolling pin, um, and it's it's super sleek. It's very, very attractive to, to have in your kitchen. It's very it's sculptured, and it's hand-carved from um, sustainably harvested domestic hardwoods. Mm. And so the whole idea about creating it is that there's very little waste produced. It's oxidised, um, and it has this very dark hue, but it's a finish that's also really safe for food. And... It, it naturally patinas over time. So the whole idea about it's crafted from white wood, white oak, sorry, and it's handmade and it comes from the States and that's why it's $230. But the whole fascination for me around this product was it's an everyday product that we actually don't think about innovating um, or improving or, or changing because it's just such a standard thing. I mean, how many people use a, in, a glass bottle 
instead of a rolling pin. Mm. My grandmother used to do that all the time. Mm. Um, but I thought it was a really interesting way at thinking about innovating objects that are um, that are quite common. But if we look into how to make them more sustainable, how to change them, how do we beautify them, how do we make them a work of art, that's also a different way of innovating. The other thing I found um, this, week, this week that was a bit fascinating was the world's first underwater restaurant. Mm. Um, and it's in southern Norway, uh, and it's an underwater dining experience they're billing it as. So it has, uh, you, you actually get there from the shoreline, so you don't have to go scuba diving or anything like that to get there. Uh, but the restaurant has a really large aquarium, as you would imagine, with a huge acrylic window, and you can eat, you know, having a look at the marine life happening around you. But it's also, um, it, the external structure has been planned so that it becomes an artificial mussel reef. So with all the food shortages, I think a couple of weeks ago we spoke about, you know, 60% of our food source comes from the ocean. Um, with all of this, this happening around our oceans, this actually has a, has a double purpose and it serves as an artificial muscle wreck, which I thought was quite fascinating. Mm, and, um, and we were talking earlier about, uh, you know, some of these innovations that do come out. If the uh, customers don't necessarily support them, they don't always uh, happen. And I was just thinking, you're talking about the milk bottle uh, uh, rolling pin. I can remember a rolling pin coming out probably about 20 years ago with where you poured water into it. It doesn't seem to exist anymore. So, people, and, and there was a restaurant we were talking about uh, in Newcastle where there's no service, where there's iPads and um, production line that seems to have closed. So, yep. obviously, some of these innovations just don't catch on. Yeah, that's right. So, if they don't happen, you know, customer speaks. So, if the customer has spoken and, they, and you know, they usually walk with their legs. Um, so you, most people usually walk with their legs. The other thing I thought we might um, talk about this week too is um, leading into the Newcastle Writers Festival oh, this yes. weekend. Uh, and there's actually quite a few events around um, living with artificial intelligence, living with machines, where's it going to take us, welcome to the future. Um, and and also a lot of, uh, of the talks are themed around sustainability. So... You know, the wonderful Natalie Isaacs, who's got the One Million Women movement, is, is coming to talk about um, how you create a better future, doing making small changes daily within your organisations or within your, within your homes, really, um, all the way up to living with intelligent machines. So what is AI? How is it going to affect us in the long term? Um, we've also got some talks on galaxies colliding. So what I've noticed is mm. there's a, a few themes coming up around the future AI sustainability that potentially um, are crossing into different fields, not just innovation anymore, because now we're seeing it in a writer's festival. Yeah, great. And I noticed today there was an announcement that the university is putting another innovation lab focused on AI and particularly health, the health industry. So be interested yeah, to see how that goes. Yep, and the budget that came down with all the extra money for space. So Australia's now entering the space race, so to speak. Yeah, great. Mm, yeah. Well, thanks for your time again, Christina. We'll have a chat with you again next week. Look forward to it, Julian. Have a great week. You too. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Christina there with some interesting innovating objects, some of the just used everyday objects. Can we innovate them? Like the new mousetrap they often talk about, isn't it? Time for a Harvard Business Review tip. And as we said earlier, how to fake the confidence you need. When you're feeling overwhelmed and in over your head, the best way to power through is to pretend you've got the confidence you need to get something done. And these strategies could help you fake it till you make it. Number one, think positively. 
The more you focus on what's scary about the challenge, the more intimidated you'll feel. Try framing your new team, project or initiative not as a threat, but as an opportunity to do something new. Secondly, watch and learn. Observe how others lead. Pay attention to how they use humour, silence and charisma to influence others. Then, tailor those tactics to your individual style. And finally, use bold body language. Take long strides. Sit up straight. Walk with your chest held high. Don't slouch. Carry yourself in a way that conveys power, poise and a healthy pride. Helps you feel more assured and which you come across to others. So some interesting points there. Sometimes we do feel that intimidation, don't we? Well, thank you for being with me for the last half hour. I hope you've enjoyed the program. Uh, we've looked at uh, some of those uh, things that have come out of the tax office, particularly the potential exemption to single-touch payroll for closely held payees and some of those innovating objects. In a moment, Jane Klein will be back with you with more of your easy listening favourite. Next week, we'll talk about corporate powers of attorney with lawyer Liam Tobin. We'll have our Minute on Innovation with Christina and we'll have some more business and legal news and views that might affect your business. I'd love your com company again for business, the law and you at the same time next week. Until then, have an exciting and prosperous week and as Dale Carnegie once said, success is getting what you want. Happiness is wanting what you get. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.